Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of For Light and Life. I'm your host, Lucy, and today we are sharing one of my personal favorite chapters in the fanfiction book Addie and I wrote. This chapter is a doozy. There is action. There's heartwarmingness. But most of all, there's a lot of emotion. So strap in, folks. And as usual, I have gotten sick at an inconvenient time, but we are pushing through. First, yesterday was International Podcasting Day, so I owe you all a big thank you for all the support and tuning in every week and making this all possible. This podcast is such a big part of my life that has helped me grow as a person and as a Star Wars fan. It has been a while since we've had a Spotify Q&A, so since it is the mid-season finale, if you will, head into this episode's description and let me know your thoughts so far. Also, check out Addie's podcast, Jedi Archives. She is now releasing weekly video edits in addition to her audio episodes, which is so cool. Send her nice voicemails, follow her on Spotify, there's a link in the description to that. Naturally, you will have wanted to heard chapters 1 through 4 already, and hopefully the original VCU film as well. It's an amazing project created by the Empire Radio community, and in addition to its glory as a standalone 90-minute film, it has also got some great context for this novel. If you have been Jedi mind-tricked into forgetting the events of chapter 4, I got you. Nora, with a tip from Din Djarin, heads to Nel Hutta to find her long-lost father and ends up being captured by the First Order instead since she was betrayed by Finn. If you haven't realized how canon-divergent this book is, now you know. Lucy, Dakai, Poe, Cam, and the Star Collectors team set off to retrieve her, involving a chase around a bar, more betrayals, and ultimately a clue to her location. On the planet Ilum, the Resistance teams prepare to sneak into the base, and Hux is angry about Ren's incompetence. But never fear. Ren and, quote, a parade of surprises have now entered the interrogation room, so Hux has decided he doesn't have to intervene anymore. Now, for all the things Addie and I love about this chapter, it also contains some content that you may be sensitive about, which are a few mentally intense moments, a very brief torture, a dark scene involving attempted murder, and some heavy character emotions. Definitely the darkest chapter so far, which might not be your thing, and that's okay. But the darkness has a purpose, and it will ultimately lead to light. Lastly, Addie and I do not own Star Wars or any of its existing characters, places, plot, etc. But the original characters here are the intellectual property of me and Addie. And now, the moment I've been waiting for, let's transition into chapter 5. Chapter 5. Search and Rescue Poe was not a fan of this plan, in more ways than one, but he let the stormtroopers drag him into the room nonetheless. The purposefully getting captured part was already a red flag in his book, and then add that to the whole endangering children for no good reason part, and the protective brother doesn't know the plan part, and he felt sure they had a lower chance of success than blowing up the first Death Star. But... Who was he to tell a teenager how to run her mission? We've got some playthings, Faith, Ren said, his voice filled with triumph. Surprise. Poe was shoved to the ground in between Dakai and their jailer, the stormtrooper's grip on his shoulders never loosening. Glancing over, 
He saw Lucy in the same position on Ren's other side, but couldn't tell if she was regretting her plan or rejoicing in it. You shouldn't have come, Nora said, and Poe felt a wave of shame at the smallness of her voice. He knew this was a distraction, as Lucy put it, but it was going to make Nora feel so awful. We weren't going to leave you, Poe said. We would never leave you. Touching, Ren drawled. Let's get down to business. Poe felt the cold metal of a blaster poking into his back and heard Nora's sharp intake of breath. His little sister's big, beautiful heart probably hadn't even thought about what could be about to happen, hadn't considered that anyone could be so cruel. He tried to send a reassuring look Nora's way to let her know that this was all part of the plan, that she was going to be free of that horrible cell very soon. But although her frightened eyes never left his, she didn't seem to get the message. Now, Ren sneered. You're going to give me what I want, unless you want this traitor who calls himself your brother to suffer. Faith, I can handle, Poe began. The dark figure cut him off. Save your pitiful promises. Faith, you wouldn't want to see Dameron with a hole in his chest, would you? Or your other friend to miss an arm? Or... He stopped when his eyes fell across Lucy. You, the coward who tried to stop us with a little speech from the safety of your base... Faith, I bet you'd be distraught if this girl, this child, breathed her last breath right here. Don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything, Poe silently begged two of his friends. One of them had no common sense and proceeded to do exactly what Poe had been warning him against. Don't touch her, Dekai shouted. Don't you dare! He started to struggle against his trooper to no avail. We're doomed, Poe thought to himself. No one has to get hurt. Our mutual friend just has to spill the secret. There was a whoosh, and a haunting crimson light filled the room. Ren's lightsaber was poised in front of Lucy's throat, Dekai cursing him in every language Poe had ever heard, and several he hadn't. Don't do it, Nora, Poe warned, his voice betraying how tired he was. Particularly how tired he was of following that ridiculous plan. The resistance is more important than any one person. Her eyes were darting between the group around her, the weight of too many lives on her young shoulders. Poe was going to give Lucy a long lecture about strategy and how his sister's heart worked when this was all over. Is it? Ren made a movement with his free hand, and the stormtrooper holding Lucy down pushed her forward, one hand on her shoulder so it was the only thing keeping her from falling forward into the red blade. She grunted then, eyes fixed in the floor. Poe could see her shoulders shaking. Tell him everything! Dekai ordered, his voice rising in panic. Nora, give up anything, everything! Just don't let him kill my sister. Please. Please. His voice broke, and Nora's eyes filled with glassy tears. I'm sorry. She whispered. I... I don't know. Perhaps you know now, Ren said. He moved his lightsaber at just the right angle, so it cut into Lucy's shoulder, sizzling at the contact. Frankly, Dekai screamed louder than Lucy did, and by now he and Nora were both crying. Poe and Lucy, who were coincidentally the only ones who knew the full plan, just sat there and hoped this was all worth it. Despite her incredibly flawed plan, the teenager at Poe's side had enough grit for the whole group put together. Though her voice was tight with barely concealed pain, she still ordered, Nora, it's all going to be okay. Keep resisting, okay? Don't worry about me. Poe saw Nora was about to give in, and in a rush of desperation, said the only thing he knew to say. Don't let them take your heart. He would never know if that would have been enough, because it didn't have to be. A metal ceiling grate fell at that exact moment, crashing behind Ren, who whirled around with his lightsaber in hand. 
From there, everything descended into chaos. Eli and Jason dropped down from the vent system as the other three members of the Star Collectors burst into the door. Someone threw a smoke bomb. Lasers hissed through the foggy air, and when Poe heard one zooming behind him, he almost thought he was done for. But it was only Jason shooting Poe's binders, giving him some much-needed freedom as he lunged toward Nora. We're all gonna be okay, he promised as he undid her restraints with shaking fingers. You did everything right. Now, let's get out of here. She seemed frozen, her mouth slightly open but silent. She followed along as they ducked toward the door. A laser narrowly missed Poe's neck and singed the skin, but he didn't have time to feel it. He just kept running, only focusing on keeping his sister safe. It was only after they had gotten through the door and into the pristine gray hallway that he remembered the others. They'll be fine, he told himself. The Star Collectors will do their job, and Dakai is not going anywhere until Lucy's safe. I just have to get Nora to the ship. And that he did. Cooper came with them and took care of the single stormtrooper guarding the exit. Racing out of the base, the trio stumbled their way toward the Oath. Cam was hovering on the gangplank, his face lighting up when he saw Nora. Poe only felt a little guilty when they all boarded and started takeoff procedures without the ship's owner. After all, the rest of them could fit in the skyline easily, and they would all agree that getting Nora out of there as soon as possible was the priority. It was only when they were shooting out of the planet's atmosphere and Poe sent them into hyperspace that he took a deep breath. We're out, he said. A warm rush of relief sparked through his veins, but somehow he felt like crying. How do you feel, Nora? Cam asked anxiously, moving to where she was leaning against the wall. Taking her hands, Poe copied his position. She still had the same numb, shocked expression plastered over her face. Her gaze drifted to somewhere between the two men, and she whispered, Not so good. Poe reached out and caught her as her eyes rolled back and she went limp. It's the shock, he said, more hoping than knowing. She'll be okay. She has to be. We're safe. He gently rested her against the wall, squeezing her hand. They sat that way for a long time. The room was a complete battlefield. Lucy wasn't entirely sure how they made it out there alive at all, but Eli and Leo proved to be good at preoccupying Kylo Ren as Jason and Jack shot down the stormtroopers one by one. The group slowly backed up and out of the cell, blasters blazing, then turned and bolted away. Dakai nearly had a heart attack when Ren chased after them and tried to drag him and Lucy back down the hallway with the force, but a barrage of lasers from the rest of the crew forced him to release them. Dakai kept whispering pointless reassurances in her ear, which she tuned out entirely. He really could act like a mother gundark sometimes. Lucy was just glad to be outside in the fresh air, even as they never slowed the pace until they got to the clearing where they had parked the vehicles. They took my ship, she muttered, her arm pressed tightly to her side. Her shoulder was still throbbing with an intensity that truly rivaled that of a small star. Those thieves took my ship! Nevertheless, she boarded the skyline without complaint and let Jack do the piloting, even though she was confident she could have done it better than he had, injured arm and all. Multiple trees smacked into the ship from all sides on the way up. Sorry! Jack called over his shoulder. Whoops, sorry everyone. Is there Bacta on the ship? Dakai demanded. I need Bacta. Someone called the others. Did they make it out? That was a terrible plan. Let's never do that again. At least Nora's okay. Good work, team. Everyone be quiet, Lucy ordered. Miraculously, they obeyed. Someone handed Dakai a medkit, and Lucy could have been dying for how frantically he cleaned the wound on her shoulder. She turned her head to see the injury and swallowed. It looked about as bad as it felt. Dakai said nothing, just applied the bacta and wrapped it firmly with a bandage. 
Lucy reached for his hand and his shoulders sagged. He didn't meet her eyes. I thought they were going to take you away from me again. His voice was thick and uneven. Nijate, Mitome. Her own voice was heavy, even as she told him, I'm okay, we're together. But we almost weren't. But we are. She took a breath, wishing she didn't have to tell him. But she did. Vod, I need to tell you something. Us getting captured, it was part of my plan? He froze. I don't understand. His rising voice suggested maybe he did understand. I didn't tell you because you're a terrible actor and we needed Ren to believe it. It was better to make one team be caught and make him think he had won than to risk the actual team to get caught. I didn't want to involve anyone else. If I could have just gotten caught alone, I would have, but he wouldn't believe for a second that I was the only one who came and he already knew Poe, so I brought him and we need someone else to sell it, so I brought you and- What? Dekai finally got the words out. You put yourself in danger on purpose? That Chakar could have killed you as easy as blinking. You were one step away from dying this close. He held up two fingers that were practically touching and let out a sob. By now, everyone was silently observing, most not bothering to hide it. Lucy felt one of her own tears sliding down her cheek. Dakai, I- You don't get to do that! He screamed. You don't get to throw your life away! There is no one worth that sacrifice! Nora is worth it! Lucy shouted back. Leia is worth it! Poe is worth it! You are worth it! You don't get to make that choice for me! I would have broken if you had died right then, okay? I have nothing to fight for without you. You are my entire universe, the only person who really matters. Gardrali, Garmeshla Balatin, Balkandosi, Baldrashla Nade. The anger in him slipped away into something softer and sadder through his words. You are bright, you are beautiful and stubborn and powerful and stronger than anyone. He reached out and pulled her into an embrace, clinged to her like he needed to know she was real. Warm tears soaked both their shoulders as Lucy hugged him back. They would be okay, because neither of them would stop fighting until they were. Nora's breath swept a soft rhythm over her world. Bright white lights prodded at her eyelids as if testing her for a response, giving out a quiet groan from the prickly ache in her side and the mild soreness everywhere. Nora raised a hand to shield herself from the brightness. She moved her head slightly to see Poe, asleep on a worn chair next to her. His dark hair frumpled as if he'd been tearing his hands through it for several days. Since when have you been tired? She asked lightly. Her brother blinked awake and squinted at her, a relief smile stretching across his face as he registered her words. Hey, Faith, he replied in a gentle whisper, brushing her hair out of her face. I'm so glad you're awake. You scared us, sweet girl. Nora gave her Orivat a small smile as she attempted to sit up, only to wince at the tiny firecrackers along her ribs. Hey, don't move too much, okay? You're hurt. Too exhausted to disagree, Nora returned to her previous position. How's Lucy? She asked, the events of the past week flooding back to her in a sea of guilt. She... she's fine. Cole told her. It was just a minor wound, so back to fix it right up. There shouldn't be much scarring, if you're worried. And she swears she's not in any pain. Who knows if that's true, though. I should have been there to help fix it. It was my fault anyway. Nora's voice was cracked this time, and she looked back down at the rough blanket covering her. Oh, Faith. There was nothing you could have done. 
She hated that her favorite nickname now sent shivers down her spine after Ren's mocking use of it. It had been so special, like a promise to her, and now it felt corrupted. Still, Nora said, changing the subject, you shouldn't have come for me. When she risked a glance up, Ho's eyes were hollow despite his feeble try at a grin. I wasn't going to let them steal my faith, he replied. Where would we be without her? Nora gave him a sad smile. I'm sorry. I'm really tired. Can I please rest? Poe got the message and settled back into his chair. Of course. You get some sleep. I'll be here if you need anything. Before the last of her consciousness slipped away, Nora murmured, Thank you. I don't know where I'd be without you either. She was asleep before she heard his response. As soon as Lucy had waited long enough for Poe to finish rejoicing over Nora waking up and for Dakai to let her out of his sight, she paid a visit to her friend in the medbay. On Leia's orders, Nora had been given her own recovery room adjacent to the public holding area, so their conversation would have a little more privacy. Lucy dramatically thrust the door open to step into the enclosed space. Look who's finally awake after an eternity! Nora's face lit up as she saw her visitor. Lucy, come in! Please sit down! Lucy took a seat on a stool next to Nora's cot. Her friend appeared to be trying to stay chipper, but there was a subtle emptiness in her eyes that expressed otherwise. The medics had cleaned her up well. Her hair was tidy again, she was wearing a clean hospital gown, and the minor bruises and cuts in her face had cleared up. How are you feeling? Nora asked, because, of course, she would address Lucy's minor injuries before her own severe ones. It's all good. Lucy answered, sticking with a response she had given everyone to ever ask her this. Obviously, everyone saw right past this, but at least some of the medics understood her preferences and had stopped cajoling her into taking more pain medicine. She didn't need to be numb. She needed to remember what it felt like to be at the hands of the First Order so she could attack them without hesitation. Pain was motivation, and motivation was power. I'm so sorry about your arm. I feel so bad about it. It's not your fault, Lucy interrupted. I don't blame you. Nora nodded, but there was something else in her expression that she hadn't voiced. What's wrong? Lucy asked as she gave Nora's hand a small squeeze. Nothing. It's not nothing, Nora, Lucy pried. Something's not right with you. Tell me what's going on. Nora looked down at her hands. We never did find my dad. The one lead we had was fake. He might still be out there. Or maybe he died and we've been searching in vain. Her bottom lip trembled, yet there was still unresolved darkness in her eyes. I'm sorry about that, Lucy said carefully. If you want to keep looking for him, I'll help you. But I think we both know there's something else going on. You can trust me. Inhaling slowly, Nora whispered. Promise you won't freak out, okay? When Lucy nodded, Nora moved her hair to one side to reveal a small, rectangular lump under the skin of her neck. Lucy felt her stomach drop. It's a tracker. They're probably already on their way, Nora said as a tear fell. I'm so sorry. Lucy took Nora's hands in her own, wondering if this would be the last moment of peace before another conflict. There was always another conflict. Every moment led directly into the next. I need you to do something for me. Of course. Whatever you need. Please, hear me out before you get mad. I need you to kill me. The tracker will be disabled as fast as you can save Beskar. 
And if the First Order hasn't had enough time to block onto the signal yet, they would never get what they wanted. It will save the Resistance base and everyone in it. Strangling vines of horror crept up Lucy's back as she stared at Nora. Words left her, and she could only shake her head, slowly at first, but gaining speed as the request fully sank in. No. No! No criffing way, Nora, no! But there's no other way! If there was, I wouldn't be asking you this. Nora's eyes were glassy as she whispered, Ren wants me alive. For experimentation. Lucy, he knows about my powers. I guess they saw something in all the blood tests they took when I first got captured. There's something wild and different about the way I can use the Force, and he will find out exactly how to harness it, and then the galaxy is doomed. If he gets me again, you'll never be able to find me a second time. He'll make sure of that. I'll be trapped with the First Order forever. And it's going to be so much worse than dying right now. We don't have time to remove the tracker. An operation like that is too dangerous to be done quickly. This is the only way I can make sure I won't help the First Order. The only way I can control what happens to me. It shouldn't be you who has to do it, but it is. A choking pressure tore at Lucy's chest. This was too much. Nora couldn't possibly understand what she was asking. Taking a friend's life was something so horrible, so dirty, that it would stain her hands forever. There were other stains, but this one would leave a mark worse than any of the others. In a last desperate angle to reach Nora, Lucy choked out, I'm not strong enough. Nora, I'm not as strong as you are. I can't. Yes, you are. You're stronger. Surviving in the resistance on your own while you've been training the way you were? That takes strength. Forgiving your brother for something awful? That takes strength too. Putting your life on the line again and again to protect a cause you believe in? Even to protect me? If that's not strength, I don't know what is. This is the right thing to do. Please, we don't have much time. And I... I can't ask Pro to do it. Lucy wanted to tear apart the room, anything to release the building energy in her throat. Nora had brought up the one point that changed everything, because the idea of forcing Poe to kill his sister was impossibly cruel. It really was up to her. If Lucy didn't do it, Nora would ask someone else, and no one else would be able to. It was the image of little Nora strapped to a chair while the First Order scientists swirled around her that pushed her to the edge. Fine. She said, her voice cracking. Fine, I'll do it so Poe doesn't have to. So you don't have to be at the First Order's mercy again. This was why she didn't let people in. If she told herself she didn't care about them, it hurt less when they left her, and they always left. But it was too late for shields and fences. She did care about Nora, and the only thing that would make the girl at peace was the thing that would tear Lucy apart. She didn't know what made the next words come out. Maybe this last chance to say something added something tangible to the thoughts spinning through her head. Regardless, she found herself flirting. You're one of the only people who has consistently been there for me. You're this flaming orb of power and kindness and brilliance, and I used to resent that because, I don't know, I, I thought it was only more proof of how I'm not enough for anyone. But now... I'm so glad you're here because you have brought so much life into my life. And for once, I feel like maybe I am enough for someone. 
I guess I just wanted you to know that I would rescue you over and over again without hesitation, and you're a great friend. And I'm sorry I haven't always acted like it. She chuckled awkwardly. That was corny. Nora smiled, a true, pure smile. That means a lot. And I'm really glad you're my friend, too. I know you'll do amazing things for this galaxy. Just one last thing. Tell my Orivon I love him, okay? Tell everyone I love him so much, and don't let yourself believe for a second that this is your fault. Nora took the blaster off Lucy's belt and slipped it into her hands, closing the young woman's fingers around it. Lead to Orisha, tell them. Family is more than bloodline. And you're my family, too. Vorente. Lucy. Lucy stepped back with a deep, shuddering breath, wishing with all her soul she had stayed behind at Ren's base and taken him down when she had the chance. She thought about her own brother and how he would hate to see her suffer. She thought about final requests and how she would want someone to obey hers. She thought about the First Order and all the terrible things they would do in a heartbeat to anyone and everything. That was enough to make her raise the blaster, give Norlin Faithfet a final heartbroken smile, aim for a spot on the left side of her chest, and, with a heavy heart, pull the trigger. Except the laser didn't hit its mark. It went wide and rocketed towards the wall instead, only Lucy didn't get a chance to see exactly where on the wall it hit, because she was on the ground, and there was a heavy weight on top of her, and a pair of frantic arms wrestling the blaster out of her hands. And now there was a snarling face looming above her, and a hand closing around her throat, and something cold digging into her forehead. Give me one good reason to not kill you right now, Poe shouted, squeezing her neck tighter. I never agreed with the people who said you were a traitor. Until now. How could you, Lucy? How could you ever? Lucy couldn't speak, couldn't breathe with the fingers suffocating her. She tried to push him off, and he slammed her head down onto the hard concrete ground. Now the back of her head felt like fire, and there was something warm and wet trickling down her neck. Poe, Poe, stop! A voice... A young voice, a young, terrified voice pounding into Lucy's ears, somehow too quiet and too loud all at once. Don't hurt her! She tried to kill you! Only because I forced her to! Only because she knew there was no other way to disable the tracker! I made her promise! I don't care about promises. I don't care about cripping intentions. No one is going to kill you! Lucy felt her lungs heaving in a sort of disconnected way. She tried again to pry his fingers away and was even less successful. I knew this would happen, she thought in a daze. I knew there was no way this would work. There was a squabble above her, and for a moment the hand loosened. Enough for Lucy to gasp a painful breath, and then another. The hand fell away suddenly, as did the blaster. And then she was just lying there, without the weight on top of her, and only the agony of what seemed like a thousand spikes jabbing into her from all angles. She felt the wetness soaking her collar, and the bruises sinking into her throat. And then she felt no more. Well, that was dramatic. I love this chapter so much. There's so much emotion and hard decisions and intensity. I do acknowledge that not everyone likes those things, and maybe this chapter isn't your cup of tea, which we completely understand. But I personally really like it, and I have a lot of thoughts. In the first scene, Poe has just given up trying to reason with Lucy, He knows by now that she will just boot him off the team if he causes trouble. I love Poe's sarcastic thoughts of the scene. It adds some spice to the narration. 
poor Nora is torn and doesn't understand how awful some people are because at this point she is still quite naive. Dakai thinks things are going terribly wrong and straying the plan. And Lucy, well, we don't pretend to know what goes on in Lucy's head, but back. Dakai pleading with Nora to save Lucy's life is heart-wrenching. Amidst the pain, we have a series of funny moments when the Star Collectors and the Binks siblings are escaping. Lucy is more concerned about Poe and Cam taking the oath than she is about her arm. Jack is bumping into all the trees in the way up. Props to Addie for her priceless delivery of those lines. Everyone is shouting and adding to the chaos. The hilarity doesn't last long, though, because the truth must come out, and then Dakai breaks down, and then Lucy breaks down, and I love them. Gotta have some Poe and Nora fluff. Although, unfortunately, the fluff effect is sort of ruined because of how hollow they are after that disaster. But, lastly, the scene of all scenes, the mid-book finale when you think nothing could get worse and then things get worse. In the first several paragraphs, things are almost okay. I really like the section when Lucy thinks about how feeling what the First Order did to her gives her the motivation to take them down and therefore gives her power. It's an interesting idea to think about, definitely in line with her Slytherin-ness. Naturally, she wants revenge, but does revenge actually help anyone stop hurting? Spoiler alert, no, it does not. Things go from almost okay to really bad in a split second. While recording this part, Addie and I were having such a fun and intense time. We were both getting emotional. I was closer to tears than I have been for fanfiction since recording Lead Us, which you should definitely check out. It's my best work to date. Neither of us really knew what to say after the recording finished. We were just freaking out and laughing and trying to process what just happened. Hi, this is Lucy in editing far, far in the future. Three and a half weeks in the future to be exact. If you are just now listening to this chapter, I would like to play you a clip from a later episode because I left some big stuff out in chapter five's original author's note. So please take a listen to this. Now, I was talking with my mom the other day and I realized I didn't debrief several things with you for the final scene in chapter five. You remember the whole killing Nora to destroy the tracker thing? So first, I want to highly emphasize that you should not try to copy Nora's actions in that moment. If you ever feel like things are so hopeless that you just want to die, please talk to a trusted adult. There is always a way out. The most important thing to note here is that Lucy and Nora, as hard as they try, they're nowhere near as responsible or mature as they think they are. That is just true of basically every person who doesn't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain responsible for making good choices. It's true of me and Addie. It's true of teenage Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine. It's just the universal teenage experience. Both Nora and Lucy make some real bad decisions in this scene. Nora should have reached out to Leia and the rest of Command and told them what was happening and to start the evacuation right away. They had time. She would not have needed to sacrifice her life. Lucy should also have consulted an adult when Nora proposed this to her. But because the situation was so isolated, it was two teenagers alone in a room thinking they had no time and no one else to turn to, neither of them made a good choice. 
I can guarantee you if Dakai or Cam or Leia or any functioning adult had been there, the scene would have had a very different outcome. Another factor that came into this was the behavior of role models in both their lives. They live with the resistance, where much older people who sacrifice themselves to save the galaxy are regarded as heroes. Children copy what adults around them do. That is just a fact. We also have to consider the setting in the world they're living in, when the galaxy's in this constant state of war for many generations, so many lives, including those of children, are being disrupted, and it's not uncommon for people in your life to be killed. It's very different from the world I live in, dare I say, the world you all live in, and it absolutely comes into play with these choices. My final thought here, as nice as Nora's speech about how strong Lucy is may initially seem, is it strength to be able to kill your friends? Is it strength to continue with a decision that you feel is morally wrong and will hurt a lot of people that your 13-year-old buddy thinks is a great idea? Just think about that and the repercussions there. All this to say, there are a lot of things these young characters do that are far from wise and that I do not support or recommend, and thank you so much, Mom, for taking the time to talk to me about this and show me the scene from a different perspective. Everything you said is very valid. So that was everything I left out in this episode originally. I hope this helps you process and understand that final scene and the problems it brings up. Back to the original episode. This line right here. This was why she didn't let people in. If she told herself she didn't care about them, it hurt less when they left her, and they always left. Is pivotal for Lucy's character development. It's so true, which is awful. Her parents left her life. Dakai temporarily left her. Poe temporarily left. And now Nora's gonna leave. I mean, Lucy needs a break. But at least she's acknowledging this. There is a moment of light when Lucy finally expresses how much Nora means to her. Again, window into Lucy's soul and thought process. And thankfully, or not, depending on how you look at it, Poe comes in and becomes angry protective brother so Nora doesn't die. That's a lot to take in, so I'm going to let you process this while we listen to a voicemail. We have a message from a first-time sender, Addie's Aunt Ash. Hi, Lucy. This is Addie's Aunt Ash. I just wanted to send a voicemail to tell you both that I am loving the book that you guys wrote together. I'm so impressed by all of the different voices for the characters that you both use and all of the editing techniques that you used. You're just so talented, and I love the book and the story. I really loved in chapter three, the vulnerability that Lucy showed. I feel like she and Nora were able to grow closer because of her vulnerability. So I really, really enjoyed that. Keep up the great work. I can't wait to listen to more. Bye. Thank you so much for the kind words, Ash. Your support means the world to Addie and me. I have heard your voice on Addie's podcast and you sound like such a cool aunt. Believe me, we are very grateful you appreciate the different voices because we spend a ridiculous amount of time lamenting about certain voices, i.e. Finn in Carter Mac. It's also good to hear that I'm not the only one who loves vulnerable Lucy and that it doesn't feel out of character for her or forced. 
I am curious to see what people think about this chapter and all the vulnerability in it. So anyone with thoughts, please send in a voicemail or email or Spotify Q&A response. It's low stakes and I greatly appreciate it. And please send in another voicemail sometime, Ash. We love to hear from you. As usual, we don't have a Drabble this week, so let's just move on to our outro. If you have any thoughts of this episode, you want to contact me, or you just have a minute to help the show grow, here are some ways you can do so. You can send me an email through my fan email, which is for lightandlife.podcast at gmail.com. This is great if you have something you want to tell me, but for whatever reason, you can't send in a voicemail. That being said, you can absolutely send me a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. There's a link in the description for that. As long as it is family-friendly and you have not specifically asked me not to, I will play it on the show. Please leave a rating and review wherever you listen. This helps new people come over and find the podcast. Go ahead and follow the show if you like the sort of episodes that comes out every Sunday. Finally, please share the show with your community so our community can grow. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I'm Lucy, and let's look for the light and life in our world together.